0: and welcome to another great edition of Talking Ticks. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, Joined as always by my co host Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. LSU gets a redemptive and resounding win over Texas A&M, uh, beating the Aggies 50-7 for the final home game of the 2019 season, getting revenge over last year's historic seven overtime loss, but also securing LSU's third undefeated season in school history, adding to the 1958 and 2011 undefeated regular seasons. We're going to go over that. um, What also comes next for the Tigers, as well as some other recruiting and and other news from around college football. Uh, But before we get started, I just wanted to to suggest to those of you uh, that are listening that are somehow not already following us on Twitter to please do so at Talkin' Tigs. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook as the uh, Talkin' Tigs podcast, Uh, and we're also on iTunes and Spotify as well. Um, well, such a good game to get into and just some more implications that, that will come after it. But before we get going, just wanted to check in with the co-host. Uh, you guys were at the game again, and uh, I wanted to see how you're doing and uh, just you know your overall perspective of the last home game of 2019. Go get them, Daniel. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Well,
1: yeah, we had, had a great day. We went to the game, and it was pretty amazing just to see LSU cap off. Such an incredible season that we've had so far. The weather was perfect. Chance of rain was never. Chance of A and M winning was never, and we just throttled them. Felt extra sweet after that bitter defeat last year, and uh, can't wait to see what the Tigers can do in postseason play. But yeah, just riding high right now.
0: Right on.
2: Oh man, I mean, I yeah, it was an incredible day, and we got Daniel's uh, got Daniel's brothers in for the game, which was fun. You know, got a little bit of family reunion. And got to share that with them. We we were in the student section, which normally we're sitting in the uh, sitting in like Daniel season tickets, but it was uh, my last home game as a as a uh, as an undergrad, and um, kind of wanted the you know the two brothers to experience the student section. So we walked over there, sat there, kind of up not not ter- not uh terrible seats, but you know kind of high up with the real tiger fans, and uh, I mean let me tell you that this season has been so special. I don't think – I almost feel like we haven't talked about it enough just to say, like, how um, how incredible everything that has fallen in place has been. And that game was just a, a, you know, one one note on this beautiful symphony that has been, you know, the 2019 regular season. Going 12-0, and we've got Joe Burrow. He comes out in the, you know, EAUX Burrow jersey. Which he came up with himself, he said, and uh and you know the senior night we got great play by the defense, great play by the offense, Joe cementing himself for that uh best player of the year trophy with the guy putting the stiff arm out. I'm not gonna say it, and uh i mean i, I just can't this team, and and i'm I'm so glad that this you know that we have played a great game yesterday and we got the win, and we're going on to the Atlanta, and we're going on to the playoff, but Hats off to this team just just for for right now because uh this uh, you don't see this that often like you said Scott it's third time in, in school history to be twelve and zero and I I mean I, I just can't can't feel any better and I, I also think it's kind of crazy that you know we started this podcast what a year to start the podcast on because, <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know and, and and I mean what can we say you know we start a podcast in a season and LSU never loses so. Did we have something to do
0: with it? Uh, that's for the that's for the listeners to yeah. decide. But I'm going to go yeah. ahead and say yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, um, and speaking of never loses, uh, that's, I mean, Joe Burrow lost some games last year, but you could say that there was a point last season where something clicked, and Joe Burrow, you know, he, they went undefeated for the rest of the season. We're undefeated this year, uh, and this. You know, most senior nights at any school, you know, they're, they're emotional. It's all the, the guys that have poured their blood, sweat, and tears into the program for three or, you know, four, sometimes five or six years. Um, you know, so there's always some, some celebration going on. But I would think that it would be a little bit extra special because it was Joe Burrow's last game in Tiger Stadium. So, I mean, I could kind of pick up on, you know, some extra cheer when he, you know, came off for his last play or, or maybe I, I couldn't tell when he was announced, you know, during the senior game announcements. Uh, but, you know, since you guys were there, I was wondering if you could speak on that a little bit. You know, what, 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 could, you, what could you tell, what could you sense from the, uh, you know, the crowd at Tiger Stadium with this being Joe Burrow's last game?
1: I mean, there was definitely energy. You can tell everybody loves him, and he's definitely submitted his place, in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure everyone is with me on this one, Is one of the all-time LSU greats. Even though, yeah, even though he only played <laughs> two seasons, one of them last year, which he was really kind of an unknown commodity coming in. And I even mentioned it to Tommy during the game, not to get too crazy, but I was like, do you think if Joe Burrow wins the Heisman and LSU wins the national championship, they shift those names, and I pointed to uh, – to Tommy Casanova, Billy Cannon, shift those over and retire number nine and throw Burrow's name right up there. And then I think you almost have to say yes because we had, what, one Heisman winner. His number's been retired. And we've had three national championship teams, and Billy Cannon was part of one. So, I mean, he is that guy. I mean, he gets the Heisman. The It's right there on the name. He is the man. And that's really all he is for LSU at this point. What a guy. Mm-hmm
2: yeah i mean and and I, I really have to you know I was a little bit um i don't want to say skeptical but i was I was concerned about how many people would be there, not really in a bad way, but I just kind of wondered you know well it's a, it's the day after, you know it's two days after Thanksgiving, people are out of town, I know a lot of students um you know go home I, we went home, I went home, so we made a point to be back here for the game just because of you know it's such an incredible season and the, and we got to have uh, Daniel's brothers come in and have a good time with them but um you know, everyone showed out. That uh, the student section was packed. The uh, it looked like all the season ticket holders were there. Daniel, oh, yeah, and
1: everybody stayed till the end, which was amazing. Everybody like, even stayed though we were we the blowing out, the, the party it awesome. just kept going. Yeah, like everybody stayed. Everybody stayed
2: even past like the the band had played the alma mater and the Tigers had walked off the field and Joe Burrow had had you know had had gotten his his praise, and everybody was still there, and. So uh, you know, it was it was an incredible moment to be there. I'm so glad that that the uh, it was so well attended, and there was some energy, and you could tell. You know, I don't think there was as much um, as much vitriol from the from the fans from the LSU fans because it was just so, so lopsided from basically from the first drive on. You know, LSU drives down the field, shoves it down the throat. and It's seven to nothing with after after two minutes of play. Um, but you know, but there was some some electricity in the in the room or in the stadium,
0: right? Because like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire said, you know, the fans, the, the players didn't forget, but the fans didn't forget either. Uh, and you know, I, I think the uh, the game kind of went on. It wasn't really hampered by any really bad calls, you know, one way or the other. Uh, I, I don't think. But, yeah, just uh, – I think the crowd knew what it was in for. You know, it was – the players were ready to take care of it, and they are also in for Joe Burrow's last home game from what's just been a, a remarkable season offensively for the Tigers. Um, you know, and probably, probably not going to be able to be matched in our generation. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, like I said, unless, unless Joe Burrow's – unless Joe Brady's still there and Joe Burrow's son commits, we'll – you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But, uh, you know, just overall, I thought, you know, the Tigers looked the same as they did offensively. They marched down the field. You know, they had a couple spots where they, you know, didn't seem as dominant, but overall they were. And, you know, they broke two more records. Uh, Joe Burrow has, I think, the most passing yards and most tied for most passing TDs. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they got it done and uh defensively, I think is where they finally answered some questions because you know after the the previous two games we were we were wondering you know where the defense stood, but uh, they pretty much shut and m down where where they had pretty much scored uh you know some decent points on decent teams uh a lot of common opponents but uh else you shut them down and I, I think that was probably the most complete game uh as a team the Tigers had this year because uh, I would have expected a lot more from A&M. Maybe not, you know, something that would have uh, rivaled, uh, you know, like uh, Alabama or even Mississippi for that matter. But uh, A&M just couldn't do anything. So shout-out to the defense finally turning a corner. I mean, they had it back. Um, but, yeah, overall, what did, uh, you know, Tommy, what, what would you say? Was it uh, pretty much what you expected to see? you know, coming the the last home game against the Aggies? Yeah,
2: you know, I think that the, uh, it was, I expected LSU to win big. I thought that they would, uh, I thought they'd win by, you know, much more than, I thought, I thought they'd win by like 30 points. And uh, they won by more than 30 points. You know, I, I didn't expect it, I expected it, actually I expected A&M to put up a few more points than that. It was a little bit of a disappointing uh, performance, but it's really a testament to how well the defense played. Um, but, you know, the offense. This offense has, has proven day in day out that they can really play with anybody, and that you know, you give them if you you give them, uh, if you try to play them deep, they'll throw it underneath. If you try to rush the passer, they'll throw screen passes. If you give it, you know, if you try to play covers, they'll hand it off to Clyde and he'll run all over you. So, I mean, this offense is, is so versatile, so well coached, so uh, and and each play is just so well called. That I, I can't say I'm surprised. We we played incredibly well. Burrow got in there and uh, threw dimes. He ran it, and branded himself a little bit. You know, handed it off to Clyde. Had a good game again. Um, that, you know, Davis Price got in there as well. Chris Curry, John Emery, everybody got some reps. Brennan got reps as well. And uh, it was a great way to cap off what's been you know probably the best. Well, it's been the best offensive season for any SEC team ever, and definitely the best offensive season for any for an LSU team to ever play. Yeah,
1: yeah, they were just yeah. dynamic, doing what they do best, scoring in all sorts of ways uh, through the air and over the ground, and especially like you said with the the backups coming in. I was almost a little bit scared. I, I was tracking, I was trying to track how many yards Joe Burrow had during the game because I knew how how many he needed to set the record. And once he passed it, I was like. And we kind of want to pull it right away here because this is what we will talk about <laughs> in a minute. I mean, we saw what's happening to a couple of weeks ago and then Justin Fields for Ohio state went down earlier in the day. I was like, Oh my goodness. Uh, we can't have that happening here. But I mean, he stayed up and then uh, continued to, to rock with it, but he did really well. And yeah, we just did our thing hanging 50 points on Texas A&M. It's not something you really expect to see every day in the SEC.
0: Right. And it's, it's, it's not just the the schematics of it. I mean, Joe Burrow is one aspect, and just I think Joe Brady's scheme is another. But you know, there's there's a lot of credit that's due to LSU's receivers and its running backs, but mostly its receivers on making the plays that 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 uh, Joe Burrow as and Joe Brady's scheme has set them up for. It's like these guys are making great catches and they're making them in traffic and they're getting swarmed and these guys are swatting at the ball, but you know LSU. To their credit, has held on to the ball probably more than anybody, uh, and it's it's just that's what keeps the offense going. Because you know if those guys if those guys don't catch it in advance of all, it doesn't matter. But they have been, and uh, you know even even after Joe Burrow came out, uh, I think Miles when Miles Brennan was in that first, or I think his only touchdown pass was to Racy McMath. He caught it and then you know he had one good move and then it was, the rest of that was just yards after catch. He's off yeah. of the races. Yeah, and and Joe Burrow ran down the sidelines to to be one of the first to greet him as he came out of the end zone. So, I don't know if that was was that his was that Racy McMath's first touchdown of the season?
1: Uh, he actually has three on this Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, actually, I think no, two this year. I think he had one last year, but yeah. Okay. But it's still exciting for him and for yeah, uh, Miles Brennan. I'm sure he's thrilled to finally put one on the board and show Tyrone uh, yeah. nation that he, he has what what he needs.
0: Yeah, it was just—it was crazy to see Joe Burrow running down. I thought maybe, you know, there's some symbolic uh, moment about this, but you no, know, he just—he was happy to see somebody score, uh, and you know, maybe. Well, he's, he's a leader,
2: you know. Yeah, exactly. He's been that way the whole time. That's what—that's what everybody says. You know, anybody close to the program, anybody who knows Joe, knows that, you know, he's the guy who was—who was out there, you know, by himself without the coaches asking. You know, him and his receivers out there throwing balls in the summer. You know, just just getting that extra practice in, and so, you know, I think he's shown that he's uh, he's pretty much a selfless player. You know, he'll he takes a lot on himself. He he gets mad at himself when he if he makes you know uh, he makes poor decisions throwing the ball, and I think he's been a good mentor to to Miles Brennan. So I'm eager to see. You know, it's it's hard to say right now. You know, Miles had some good throws. You know, in all the games that he's come into, but i be eager to see how much of uh, Burrow has rubbed off on Brennan, you know, especially when he gets a whole year to prepare.
0: Right. Yeah, you got to think there's. I, I don't know if he can rub off some of that chutzpah that, that Burrow has, because that's what he's going to need in some of those situations, to where you know it's like nothing's available, the the check route is gone. I just need to take off running and do it with vigor, and you know that's what we saw a couple times from from Joe in this game and just pretty much all season. Uh, and I think at one point, uh, it was in the second quarter. They they showed a stat where Joe Burrow I think had more yards rushing than AM had total, and it was just insane. It's like he, he has that instinct to either throw to his uh, his hot route, look at the checkdown, or just take off running, and he's really good at that. And I think that's why he's going to be a, probably a first round draft pick. Uh, but yeah, this offense um, again, you know, what can you say that you, you haven't we haven't been saying for. You know, for 12 games now. Other than you know, just another you know, record broken and some more guys getting into the mix. Glad to see Chris Curry get some reps. I know he's kind of been quiet most of the year, but uh, I mean, with the the bevy of talent that they have at running back, it's you know, it's just an unfortunate side effect. But um, the the defense is the one I think stepped up for this game because you know they probably heard the chatter of uh, not just that's you me know, me clapping
1: for the, the defense room. right there.
0: <laughs> I wondered what that was. What?
1: I was clapping for the defense.
0: Oh, you were clapping. Yeah. I mean, they, they they stood out in a big way. It was, uh, I don't know if it was from their coaches or just the, the committee saying, you know, Ohio State's the more complete team, which is, you know, basically a side to LSU's defense, saying they, they're not that great. But LSU's defense was uh, tremendous against a and uh, just the, the yards that they held him to in the first half and all game. I mean, Kellen Mond never even got close – well, he got close to 100 yards. He was about eight yards away, but that was after uh, 10 completions and 30 attempts, so uh, so much so that they had to put in a backup quarterback. But uh, the defense, you know, they had Delpit back. He got a pick. Uh, everyone else also played at a great level. Um, sp- uh, let's start with, you. Uh, start with you, Tommy, just, uh, you know, the defense – uh, what uh, we, I think we finally saw the complete performance that Tiger fans and maybe the skeptics have been wanting to see this whole season. You know they might be in a different position uh, at you know if, if LSU had played this kind of game defensively the whole year, but you know it doesn't matter. Uh, they're going to be in the playoffs. But uh, heading into the playoffs and most importantly the SEC championship game, since that's what's next. Uh, you know how, how do you think the defense looked? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is this is clearly the best performance of the defense all year,
2: and I I, I feel like everything meshed perfectly together. And I think that um, as we've talked about before on this podcast, and you know, with, we talked about it with Josh Lemoyne, and and you know, all kinds of LSU analysts have said it. It's been a, it's been a uh, a process for the defense to adjust just to the pace of play, and the way that the offense. Has, is operating at such a high and efficient level, um, and I think that Dave Aranda and the and the defense has, has finally you know it's finally clicked for him. You could see uh, you could see that that there was a method um, to the way that they were moving substitutions in and out, and you know that they had that third down pass rush package that they would put in with uh, Richard Lawrence, Marcel Brooks, um, and uh, I guess I think Jacoby Stevens on the you know doing. The little safety blitz as well, and that I mean that was doing great for uh, getting pressure on the quarterback, which is something that that had been a challenge for LSU uh, at the beginning and middle of the season. And then, with as far as pass coverage goes, you know, Grant Delpit, uh had his. I guess I think this is his first pick of the season, right?
0: No, uh, I
1: think
0: uh, he had one before. He had yeah, one. Okay. Uh,
2: I think well, had, this is like his third or fourth. Oh, it's okay. Well, Grant Delpit, a guy who you know his. his kind of struggled. People said, you know, he's, he's not playing as well as he did last year. He's been battling injuries. He looked completely 100%. You know, when he played, uh, he's played, you know, a couple weeks uh, back, especially at that at Ole Miss game, you could tell he looked injured. But, uh, to uh, you know, last night, I think he left no doubt on the uh, that he is, you know, 100% healthy. He's ready to go for the SC Championship and playoff football, and that he is, he's that... He is that Thorpe finalist that they've uh that they've uh, built him as. And then, you know Stingley, didn't nothing, no no, nobody even tried to throw at him. christian Fulton had some uh, had some real good pass breakups. And uh, the uh, you know defensive line the linebackers, great play from them as well. So it was really was a uh, a complete win uh, for the committee's liking for the committee's consideration. And we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see exactly. But um, I'm really happy that it seems like we have, we have clicked and we've hit our stride right where you want to be because, you know, the, the offense has been consistent throughout the entire season. From the very first game against Georgia Southern when we saw something that we thought we'd never see it at, at, at Tiger Stadium to now, to, to the point where we're saying, oh, it's just day in, day out. Look at Joe. There he throws the ball, touchdown. Sounds, that's good. Let's do it again. Uh, that you know, offense has been consistent. The defense has been the question mark. And even you know, even though I think all of us would say LSU is the number one team in the country, and regardless of what they say about complete versus incomplete, I think we would say that that our our uh, resume puts us at number one, regardless of, of Chase Young or or anything like that. But a win like that inspires a lot of confidence in me because I. Uh, you know the 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 that that defense is a defense that can take on Trevor Lawrence. That defense is a defense that can that can shut down Justin uh, Justin Fields. And the, I think those are the big those are the big you know, the Titans we're gonna have to play if we want to compete for a Natty. And uh, you know it's good to, it's good to see that what we what we thought was always there is there.
1: Yeah, you pretty much hit all the points, so I'll keep it short. It's just a, really a two-fold thing. One is we're healthy now at the right time. We kind of had some key players, especially in the D line, kind of banged up to the first half of the season, and everybody's back. And then two is, like you said, Dave Aranda has finally kind of gotten his schemes figured out. Not that he was really struggling before, but everything has kind of meshed at this point to where we know which players fit best where and when. Because we always knew, like, who were going to be the stars, like, who's going to be playing. But now we've just got them lined up in their most effective places, and that's where they need to be kind of going forwards. And everybody stepped up in this game. One thing to shout out is we got to the quarterback, put Kellen Mond in some tough spots. I think we had four sacks or something, which may have been our season high. Or six. six, Six. uh, Yeah, uh, exactly. Those are season high, and that's – I mean, you force them to make bad throws to where our secondary, exactly like we saw, pull down three interceptions and just make bad decisions, and it all kind of comes full circle there. And we're just kind of clicking at the right time, so that'll be something exciting to watch. And it's the LSU defense that we all know and love.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah you're,
1: you're totally right. That
2: looked, you know, it that last night's performance looked like a 2011 defense. That looked like Morris Claiborne, Tyrod Matthew. Sam Montgomery Kiki Mingo you know that and that was that's what we need to to compete and to win a championship and i'm I'm glad to see it
0: yeah and and also that everybody's healthy again because uh you know it's uh, at this point on you know what, what they've i know Joe Brady keeps tweeting out you know one the one, one, the record is one to nothing because every game is its own thing it's, but uh, that's especially true from here on out because you know. Uh, you know, they control their own destiny. If they win the SEC, you got to think they're either one or they're number two. Uh, so that just depends where they play next. But then that game is, you know, it's its own thing. And then, you know, they could be playing in New Orleans for the final. Uh, but, yeah, it, it has to do with the defense being healthy because uh, I, I think the offense is going to function no matter what. You know, take, you know, something happening to Joe Burrow, I think for that to stop, but... Uh, you know the defense has to be healthy and they were and I think we saw probably the best the best game that we could have gotten from a defense You would have liked to have seen it in some earlier games but you know like we've said uh it's it's really good going into the playoffs uh and just really quickly um you know there wasn't too much as far as special teams going but uh you know Cade York hit 2 of 2 one you know we really didn't need either one of these field goals especially not one from 51 but the freshman hit it regardless so uh, that is that is very encouraging especially since as you know you saw with the iron goal if you did uh, kicking a field goal can mean a lot it could mean losing your to your to your biggest rival when you didn't really need to uh, so it's good to see that we have a freshman that can nail him from 51 when he doesn't need to uh, and Zach I think Zach Rosenberg had more punting yards than Kellen Mond had uh, passing, but <laughs> I, I noticed this. Uh, the AM punter, Braden Mann, he had seven punts for, for 352 yards. That's the exact yard amount that Joe Burrow had, 352. So that just kind of shows you who had the upper hand in this game. So uh, that just kind of shows you, a ms punter for Heisman? I, I would think so. Or
2: maybe I think he needs, he, to, he needs to be in the conversation. If Chase Young's in the conversation, we need to put this punter in there.
0: Nope, nope. Uh, I, would, I would vehemently disagree because Chase Young, aside from you know minutes played, he had zero, zero sacks yep. against Michigan. Against his biggest rival, against the biggest game of the year, he had zero stats. So I hope we can put this Chase Young for Heisman to rest. And get but, to Scott, what? but Scott, Joe Klatt told me. That Chase Young shows up
2: in the biggest games.
0: Yeah, and and uh, Colin Cowherd said that Alabama was going to win decisively. So, are you going to believe them? Or are you going to believe the guy that's looking at the facts? Are you going to believe the Talkin' Tigs podcast?
2: <laughs> that's who you need to believe. We've been selling. We've been selling Ohio State. We've been selling Chase Young since since he was born. And. Yeah. It's not going to change here. That's why you stick it to stick to the podcast and and uh, you know sell sell Colin Cowherd, sell Joel Klatt, and buy Talking Tigs.
0: Exactly. Merch okay. is on the way. Yeah, and I would uh, I think I would buy the Tigers. I don't know if uh, if remember we were following that guy that had the uh, the the long the shot. Yeah. yeah. I I, I know their his bio is probably past, so he's probably in it to win it at this point, and he's going to win handsomely. Uh, yeah. Same with anyone that kind of picked the Tigers to to go to the title game. Uh, but we you know, they have this they have this one little game before that. It's called the SEC Championship game uh, against Georgia, who looked you know they they looked fine against Georgia Tech. They they beat them pretty handily actually, but you know that was against Georgia Tech and. Uh, we We had the same opponent because uh, Georgia played 8 am last week and they won nineteen to thirteen at home so you look at nineteen to thirteen or fifty to seven I know transitive properties don't always translate in college football, but i i, I don't know I think that stat alone is pretty glaring that 's been the you know the troubles of Georgia because they have a great defense, but the offense has not been as stellar, which is you know, obviously LSU is not the case with that. So, uh, you know, I guess we could start with you, Daniel. Uh, looking forward to this Georgia game because we got to get it in here. Uh, you know, yeah. h- how do you see this this matchup breaking down? Just you know, overall, based on what you've seen so far.
1: So I think it's going to be close for sure. I mean, Georgia's a great team. It's their stiffest competition we've had, maybe all year. I guess you could say, but definitely since the Alabama game. It's been four weeks. So obviously we looked good against A&M and then uh, Arkansas all missed before that. But it's going to take uh, another level of effort here to take down the dogs. Like you said, their offense is somewhat anemic. They did hang 52 on Georgia Tech, but that's against Georgia Tech. And they have a really good defense, so this is going to be the best defense Joe Burrow and the rest of the LSU offense has faced all year. So we'll kind of see whether they're just uh, that amazing, which in my opinion they are, or what happens when you kind of face some stiffer competition. A few uh, minor notes from the game against Georgia Tech is that Georgia's starting running back star, DeAndre Swift, went down with an injury and did not return to the game. But uh, Coach Kirby Smart just came out today and said that he expects him to be fine for the game against LSU. But you kind of have to think, like, is he going to be 100%? Like, uh, kind of what's the situation here? So that could be a, a soft spot as well as... Last week, their number one wide receiver, Lawrence Cager, had an ankle injury, so they were without him for this game, and he's already been ruled out against LSU. Plus, their kind of second wide receiver who became their number one, George Pickens, took a swing at a Georgia Tech player which I don't know, this baffles me when they do it over and over. When you try and punch somebody with a helmet on, literally the only person you're going to hurt is yourself. But he tried to punch a Georgia Tech player during the game, so he's been uh, ruled out for the first half of the LSU game, which we saw last year with uh, Devin White against Alabama. It can't make a difference. So Georgia's offense has already kind of handicapped himself a little bit. But I expect the the Tigers to come out and, and do their thing, show them what we're all about down in the bayou, and uh, walk <laughs> out of Atlanta number one with win.
0: Yeah, uh, Yeah. no, I saw that. And uh, you've got to think, um, wow, that losing DeAndre Swift would be huge because uh, from some of the stuff we've seen, that's he's been like the, the guy that can <laughs> kind of spark their offense. And losing one of their receivers for a silly play like that, and it was in the third quarter, and, and Georgia was... Way up at that point, so you got to think it's just silly to even engage at that point but but anyway um so yeah what what, uh, what about you tommy what uh, what do you see as far as you know the uh, the measurables the the overall in this game i i
2: I, I actually think that I think lc's going to win pretty handily um, you know you look at a team like Georgia and yes i, I you got to give respect to Georgia especially their defense um but LSU's played against some great defenses so far and when we played our worst our worst game against Auburn our offense still moved the ball really well we just couldn't convert in the red zone um you know we ended up with with three or four field goals uh and you know ended up with with the 23-20 win um but I think everyone everyone who watched that game knows that the the score doesn't really show uh LSU's uh, ability to move the ball on this, you know, vaunted defense that ended up beating Alabama. So, I I think that I, I think that you know LSU will be able to move the ball well. And then when you look at George's offense, I've got a i have got think that I, that Fromm is a, a really good quarterback. He just has no help at all, and yeah, no, he's no not in a, he's not in a system that allows him to, to throw. He you know it's always little little you know short little passes and then play action and if it's, if it's not either of those two, he's handed it off to DeAndre Swift. And I just don't think that that type of offense is, is going to be able to beat LSU, uh, especially with the, with the defense play in the way they did last, uh, this past game against a and You know, you look at Georgia. They only put up 27 points against Missouri, which is not a good team. Then they put up 21 points against Kentucky, not a good team. 17 against Carol- uh, South Carolina, which they ended up losing, and they lost in that game. And... Uh, 23 against Notre Dame, which I, yeah I don't think is a is a uh, again I think Notre Dame is a little bit overrated or actually a lot overrated and then they opened against um, they opened against Vanderbilt and they put up 30 points so uh, you know the defense can only do so much now you do expect a, I would say LG's not going to put up as many points as you know as they have um, in weeks past just because Georgia is going to try and control the ball. Uh, hold it, run it with, uh, and run down the clock with DeAndre Swift. But I still think that when when Joe Burrow gets his hands on the ball, uh, you know these these two those little two minute two minute drives, they're going to eat them alive, and we'll be able to. You know they might be they might be kicking field goals with Rodrigo Blankenship, but we'll be scoring touchdowns with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the most the most anybody scored against George all season is seventeen. You think we do a little bit better than that? <laughs> I would hope so. Well, the
0: yeah, South Carolina did, right? Because uh, they scored twenty. Excuse me. Yeah, South Carolina yeah, yeah. scored twenty because they went to overtime. Well, well, I was going to ask you guys this: is it's the game is in Atlanta, which you know it's kind of unofficial. It's 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 a Georgia home game basically because it's it's in Atlanta. Uh, but it's also the game is on turf, which you know the I know LSU finished the year last year at the uh, at the. Uh, you know the Fiesta Bowl, which is uh, artificial. So I was just wondering if you think either of those factors would play into this game at all. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you that I think LSU's offense would be the one that would decide everything. But you know, it's it's kind of technically a you know a UGA home game and it's on turf. So I'm just wondering if you guys thought that that would uh, that would play into into any of these game scenarios.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing. You can tell. Um, I was watching uh, Matt Muschana's recap of the game, um, and he was talking about the, how LSU's turf, especially last night, you know, we we saw some people slip. Most notably, uh, Grant Delpit when he had that interception, he took it down to oh, yeah. the 10-yard line, but then they ruled him on a slip uh, that his his knee was down. So, you know, theoretically, you won't see that as much on a turf field. Um, it'll hold up a little bit better. Uh, what one thing he was saying that's kind of interesting that I I hadn't heard before was that LSU's uh LSU's grass, it doesn't get enough sunlight because they've built so high up, um, you know, with the renovations. And so that causes um <laughs> that causes uh the grass to not be as as, you know, I guess uh, pristine as maybe it is at Jordan Hare or uh you know, Brian Denny or wherever. So you know, it almost maybe I think that might be an advantage playing on turf. Now, when it is true, when you go to Atlanta, that's going to be a home game for UGA. Um, but LSU's played in some pretty hostile environments this season. Played at Bryant Denny, they played at Texas. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't think, especially with a, you know, theoretically, I don't know, I don't know how true this is, but in these championship games, don't they sell like or try to sell like 50-50 tickets or whatever? Yeah, I Isn't think like they have a
1: certain. I think they have a certain allotment. It's like maybe like forty, forty for each, and then like twenty just for, so they sell them to the ticket websites or whatever.
0: Yeah,
1: um, kind of up for grabs, but it's usually fairly even. I mean, you see it with the bowl games and the, the the field is literally like split down the middle, like one color and the other. Um, yeah. But now, clearly that doesn't always happen because people will,
2: you know, from LSU might buy them and then put them on StubHub or whatever. Um, but and so yeah, I think Scott, I think you're right. It'll be a home game for for Georgia. But you think about it. How many times has LSU played Georgia in an, in an SEC championship before? You know, it's we always play Georgia, yeah. so it, it's not like we haven't been here before, and it's not like uh, it's not like we didn't you know crush Georgia last year. I'm just saying.
1: Also, <laughs> just uh, wanted to shout out if any of our Talking Tigs listeners have a, a couple dollars burning a hole in their pocket, they can buy Sweet One Twenty Eight for the LSU Georgia game for fifty thousand dollars. Uh, that one's up for grabs on StubHub right now. I might pick it up later today, so if you want to buy it, then uh, do it if, now.
2: If we have any, if we have any nice uh, Talking Tigs benefactors who would like to uh, send us to Suite 123, um, you can contact me at, at TommyJohnsonLA. I'll be glad to uh, take those off your hands.
0: Yeah, and we we should add though that you know, should you buy that package, you would definitely get uh, you know a a, uh, a personal shout out on the next. Talking Tigs podcast, uh, or, or you know, some sort of mention on Twitter or something. So your your donation will will definitely have uh, you know m- more benefits than just feeling good about yourself.
2: You would also be automatically subscribed to our premium content, Talking Tigs Plus.
0: Yeah, yeah, the stuff that no one else gets. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll wait and see for the uh, the inbox replies for that fifty thousand dollar. Uh, booth, but you know we'll see. Maybe, maybe I can uh, maybe I can finagle my way in there. Uh, but I think it's going to be a good game. I, I think LSU is going to have it handily. I, I don't know if I were to be asked about a score, I would say LSU wins by 20. I think it might be kind of slow going, kind of like it was last time. And you know because Georgia was up I think 10 to nothing back in 2011 before uh, Tyron Matthew. Ran back a punt return, which kind of just opened the floodgates for the Tigers, and uh, you know that's that's happened before where they, you know, it, it takes some sort of spark and then they just pour it on. So I think that could be similar here, uh, but I, I would say LSU probably by 20. Uh, I would say maybe you know, 34 to 14, 34 to 14, something like that as a final score. I don't know if you guys care to offer any. Any any uh, thoughts on that? But uh,
1: I'll do one. I think it's going to be a little bit closer. I'm thinking somewhere in the range of like LSU 31, Georgia 24, LSU by a touchdown. I think that's pretty reasonable given both teams' uh, offensive and defensive records. But right. maybe maybe not as close as the score indicates. Maybe something kind of more like the Texas game where they never really just are just able to catch up to us.
2: Right, Tommy. Yeah, I think I think that's an important thing to realize is that, but. but uh, Georgia, Georgia's doesn't have the uh, doesn't have the type of offense to where if they try to go if they try to go touchdown for touchdown they can't do it. So, you know, if we, I think that at any point if we get a two or three touchdown lead or even like a thir- like a third like a thirteen point lead like you know a touchdown and two field goals or something like that, uh, they're gonna have a really hard time digging out of that hole. Uh, that's something that hurt a And M yesterday. You know, they kicked us the ball. And we scored in two minutes. And then they then they got the ball back. We stopped and We scored again. And when you when you get when you have an offense that's as efficient as ours is, uh, it, it's very difficult for a team that isn't built to you know built with that air raid. You know Alabama could go score for score. They have so many playmakers. Uh, you know on the outside on the as as receivers they've got Najee Harris. They have they had Tua. Uh, same thing with uh, with like an Ohio State or a Clemson. But I just don't think Georgia. Has the playmakers or the, or the scheme to be able to trade trade blows with us the way that the way that they're going to have to to keep up. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good point, Daniel. That even though this, you know it might be a closer game than um, it, it might be close in the score, but it, but it might be like that Texas game where it's like okay yeah they, they they kept it within a touchdown, but really every time they scored we scored and it it just never amounted to anything.
0: Yeah. Um, and one thing to look at also is, uh, with this game coming up, LSU, you know, if they win, they're in. It just depends where the committee finally places them. But, you know, let's say, I I don't know, just, you know, something happens and Georgia wins like on a last second field goal. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that the Tigers are out of the playoffs necessarily. They wouldn't have won the SEC championship, which, uh, you know, I think they would want. But, uh... Going forward, uh, I don't think that would exclude them from the playoffs because that would have been their first loss and it would have been to a committee top four team at that point. Um, but I know who is definitely out of the playoffs, and that is the Alabama Crimson Tide because they lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl. And um, everyone else other than that pretty much handled their business. So we can pretty much conclude Alabama is gone. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, I think we could all agree on that. Uh, it was it was a good game. Uh, Alabama lost by a field goal, which I thought might have been the case against LSU, but you know, LSU beat them more handily. And uh, <laughs> uh, Alabama just does not have uh, you know good special teams. I saw something to where they had they had lost by the most. Uh, I think they had the most misses or something with the uh, with field goals with with special teams since Nick Saban's been coach, uh, and that's been their downfall for some games special teams has so glad to see them gone however we still have ohio state they won i would say handily but you know michigan kind of kept it tough for a little while clemson won outright 38 to 3 and uh i I don't know i guess that that fourth seed is pretty much up for grabs so you know assuming lsu wins or even if georgia wins on a last second field goal and kind of keeps it close who do you guys see as the uh you know, as the top four in the playoffs going forward.
2: Uh, I think that after you know after this week, in in my top four, I think LSU cemented themselves. They completed their team with a nice defensive uh, defensive win against A uh, and M. So it'd be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and then uh, I guess that you you keep Georgia there, um, and then you know adjust according to the SEC championship, but. Uh, you know Utah looked good, and uh, Oklahoma ended up winning against uh, Oklahoma State. so um, the, you know those are those are two teams to watch as far as going in on that fourth spot uh, assuming a, a Georgia loss. Now the committee is going to think differently. They probably won't move LSU out of one out of two and Ohio State out of one. So we're probably looking at Ohio State, lSU, Clemson, Georgia going into the championship. But I think I saw something where it's like uh the you know the the rankings of uh this week have never stayed the same after conference championships like in the in the history of the college football playoff. So, you know, you can you can kind of assume that um there'll be some shakeup. I think the main question for LSU fans is, you know, what can can LSU do anything in this assuming they don't move to number 1, which I think I, do, are we all in agreement they're not going to move to number one? Even if they should, they're not
0: going to? Uh, I kind of doubt it. Yeah. The the so, only way I can see that happening is if uh, Ohio State has, you know, they kind of just barely beat Wisconsin, but LSU just blows the doors off of Georgia. And well, no, no, I mean I mean on Tuesday, like before this game. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yeah no, I don't see that happening.
2: Yeah. So I think the question for LSU fans right now, going into the SEC Championship, is: Is there anything like kind of like you alluded to, Scott? Is there anything LSU can do to push themselves over the edge? Uh, you know, and I, I would think, I don't. Well, actually, I don't know. You know, I would think yes, just because when you look at it, when you look at it. Of course, we're you know maybe we are wearing purple and gold glasses, but when you look at it objectively on their on the schedule, who has a better resume than LSU? Who's beat more teams than LSU, like a caliber of teams? Uh, and I don't – nobody. But, you know, the way that the committee has done it, they based it all on this eye test. Uh, I think they need to get their eyes checked. But <laughs> um, right now, that it seems like unless uh, Ohio State were to lose to Wisconsin, which I think is possible. Um, they crushed
1: them earlier in the they, season.
2: They no, but, but Wisconsin just crushed Minnesota, which was billed as like the best team ever. And yeah. they've already played them once. You know, I, I think it, uh, Ohio State, Ohio State was, was almost beat by Penn State. And Jim Harbaugh made it look like a game. And that's saying something from coming from Jim Harbaugh uh, this week. Uh, so I think that the past two weeks have exposed Ohio State as not the invincible team that Joel Klatt likes to say they are. So, uh, you know, I I, I, don't know if, I don't know if LSU can do anything to please the committee and get us over the top. Um, I certainly hope so because we've talked about it on this podcast before. That one seed is going to be so important when we come to playoff time. Um, but what do you all think?
1: So I kind of – I'll give you all what I think is the most likely overall situation uh, according to the committee. Here's what they're going to do if everything kind of plays out. So LSU is going to beat Georgia in the SEC Championship. Oklahoma is going to beat Baylor in their game, and Utah is going to win their game in the Pac 12 championship. So that leaves Ohio State still a number, and Ohio State wins. So it leaves Ohio State number one, LSU number two, Clemson number three, and then I think the the committee springs for Oklahoma over Utah in terms of the kind of head to head one loss conference champions. So it's Ohio State, Clemson, or Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Oklahoma. And so that's kind of reasonable, I think, with barring the moving Ohio State over LSU for the number one spot. But I think the, all, the thing that throws a wrench into it is if LSU loses, which I hope does not happen, obviously. But then some people are already saying that LSU is a lock for the playoff, whether they win or lose, which I would kind of, I think, is what should be the case. So then it would go, uh, what it should be is Ohio State number one, then to number two, Georgia number three, then LSU drops down to four and stays in. But I don't think the committee would put a one-loss LSU non-conference champion in over two one-loss conference champions in, in Utah and Oklahoma, and I think they still go for Utah and LSU gets bumped to five, which would be a real big bummer to be riding the whole season so high and then kind of fail at the last hurdle. But as long as we take care of business, that won't be the case. And then poor Utah is going to get pushed out, whether they want to or not. Even if they throttle Oregon, uh, just, I think that's how it's going to be.
2: I don't know. I disagree. I think that if LSU loses, I, as long as they don't, if in law, as long as they don't allow Georgia, who's never put up points against a good team, uh, to blow them out. If, you know, if it was like 50 to nothing, then all right, let's let's move on to next year. Come on, TJ Finley. But. Sure. Uh, I think that you know if if LSU plays well and they uh and if it, if they were to lose which I don't think they will but if it was a close loss I think they're easily the number 4 team. I don't think it's any question because again nobody if we're going off the eye test Oklahoma lost to a unranked Kansas State team, right? Wasn't it Kansas State? Correct. Yeah. I mean that that's a that's a terrible loss for them. And they and they basically should have lost to, to Baylor and then Utah lost to, uh, who'd they lose to USC, USC. Yeah. So I, I don't think, I don't see them, either of them overtaking LSU as far as in the in the event LSU loses. I don't think that's going to happen. So, um, I don't think that's a scenario we'll have to deal with, but I would have to disagree on, on LSU getting uh passed over in the event of a loss. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, I,
1: kinda, I was just going to make a couple of notes here. Uh, in the initial college playoff rankings, the team that started number three has never made the playoff. Do y'all remember who was number three in this year's initial rankings? No.
0: Yeah.
1: Alabama.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah.
1: Makes and sense. Also, and yeah. and the team that was ranked number two in the initial rankings has won the national championship the last three years. Do we know who was number two in the initial rankings this year?
2: I think I do. Tell me, Daniel.
1: LSU Tigers.
2: Hey. Were they? Oh yeah, they were.
1: So, and, oh, also, the yeah, and the number one team in the initial rankings has never won the championship. Do we know who was number one this year? Ohio State. The Ohio State, t- the yeah, Ohio State, so State University? Things, things kind of maybe according to history. It does tend to repeat itself, but not to get too insane, but at least step one has been completed with Alabama not making it. So Daniel, cur- the curse of three. Daniel, that's, kinda,
2: that's almost kind of like a little conspiracy theory, don't you think?
1: That's true. Just kind of cooking something up on the down low here. I mean, you could call this uh, conspiracy <laughs> theory time with Daniel, but uh, that's that's all I got right now.
0: Oh, uh, that's funny. Uh, but I would I actually agree with you, Daniel, as far as uh, you know if Oklahoma got in over well, you say Utah, but I I don't know. I I kind of have a feeling that Oregon's going to win that game, so it's going to knock Utah out. Uh, and I think Oregon is already out, so. Uh, that would slide the Sooners into that number four spot, uh, you know, assuming LSU wins its game, which you know I, I think they will. But you know it, it doesn't really matter because two and three are pretty much interchangeable. I think the only difference is you know you know where if someone feels disrespected or not, which I think LSU would, because uh, I don't see what Clemson has done. I know Dabo Swinney feels disrespected of having his team undefeated in number three. In the playoffs, he feels like the committee doesn't even want him there, even though they've been in the top four of the committee's since rankings. Day since day one. They started. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know what the heck Dabo Swinney is talking about. Actually, not since ranked... day one. They were not in the top four in the initial rankings. Penn State was
1: number four. Oh, that's which right. Which they, were, kind of they, bad they were now. five.
0: They, I think they were five. But, um, but the point being that Dabo Swinney feels like the committee does not want his team there. They don't feel like they deserve to be there which is just silly, of course. Uh, and it's and it, if they did have those feelings, it's not the committee's fault that Clemson doesn't play anybody, in Dabbo Swinney's own words. They they haven't. Who are they going to play for the ACC championship game? Virginia, who just got into the top 25 by beating Virginia Tech uh, by three points, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I mean, if he beats Virginia, it's, you know, business as usual. No big deal. Um but uh, I don't know, I, I really don't think Virginia's going to beat Clemson unless there's just a, a, a fallout there. But, uh, yeah, I could really care less about his whining. I could care less about Nick Saban whining about the Iron Bowl, too. Oh, I know. That boo The mo- One of the most
2: outrageous things I saw this weekend was Nick Saban saying that that, that, that play, the, the, uh, the fake punt, well, it wasn't even a fake punt. It was just kind of like a...
0: What, what would you call me? that?
2: Formation, yeah, a formation that they that had the punter involved um, was quote unfair. I, I thought it was actually pretty cool to watch. Uh, the Auburn had a normal, it was fourth down, like fourth and I guess four, fourth and three, and uh, towards the end of the game, and they didn't want to kick the ball to Jalen Waddle, who, who's you know the dynamic punt returner for Alabama. So they line up in a normal shotgun formation, but the punter. Is lined up at wide receiver, or, well, I guess uh, flanker. He's off the ball, so he, So the plan was for Bo Nicks to go out there and uh, you know make it look like they're just uh, they're running, they're going to run a play on fourth down, get the normal defense in in uh, formation with no deep man back to receive, and then motion the punter into the backfield and have him do a little pooch punt. Well, Alabama notices that the punter's on the on the. Uh, as, as split out wide, and so they're they basically get into like two defenses with twelve men on the field, and they get penalized for it. First down, Auburn take the knee. Let's go, roll Tumor's corner. Well, that's when Nick Saban comes out and says that was the most unfair thing I've ever seen. Just unfair that he got outsmarted by uh by the vest-wearing Gus Malzahn.
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just no no sympathy whatsoever. Uh, he, he, I think he realized he got he got duped twice in that game because well the first one I think was because of the rep because you know, uh, Auburn got that field goal right before half uh-huh. which um, you know the you, you could say he was down and there was no time left I I would have tend to agree with Saban that you know if, if unless the ball is considered down with three seconds left you don't have time to you know to basically run a play but. Whatever. Uh, so he was already steamed about that because Auburn got this field goal uh, with one second left, which you know you rarely do. You see them, clock, you know, like stop the clock with one second left, but somehow they did. Well, though they never actually. Wasn't it that because the, okay, this is, this was my take
2: on the on the thing because we watched this live, and I almost feel like that's the ramifications. You know, we live in this world where every single play has to be reviewed on video. And I'm I, I think that I think they review too much, especially in the NFL. In the NFL, they review everything, and it wastes so much time. I mean, even in college, like we'll be you know we'll be there at a game at Tiger Stadium, and we'll just stand there because the guy goes over and looks at that tiny screen. And you know, I just feel like if, okay if we're gonna live in this world where we review everything, and, and the powers it be, and I'm sure Saban's got a got a strong voice in the decision of how, how college football rules are shaped. If he wants to review everything. And or not he, but if the if the people want to review everything, then that's kind of the ramification. Because if I if I remember correctly, the reason the clock was stopped was to review whether he had whether his what he had completed the catch with time left on the clock or something like that.
0: Oh yeah, like when when he
2: was considered down. When he was considered down before they moved the chains, and so or for them to move the chains. So then if, if he was down with a, with a second left, they would move the chains, and, that allow, and so that review allowed Auburn to set, to set up. So they never clocked the ball with, with time on the clock. So I feel like it's kind of, you know, you could say, oh, well, that's, uh, that's unfair or whatever, but it, it, I don't really think that was
0: necessarily Auburn as much as it was the way that the rules are now
2: with reviews.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, it, it's not at Auburn. It was just you know what the what the refs and what the uh, booth review decided, which uh, you know I, I think it was kind of indeterminate because the bodies were in motion. So the like uh, the fact that they gave them a second, I think, is just luck for Auburn's side. But uh, you know I I, I guess I, I would tend to agree with Saban on that particular call. But um, you know kudos to the SEC for not uh, for not siding with Saban on that one. They just went with what they thought they saw, and it didn't work out to Bama's favor, which, you know, if you look at the end result, uh, those three points ended up being what won the game, essentially. So uh, I I know he's probably pissed, but sorry. Uh, You know, plenty of calls have gone Alabama's way uh, up up before this season. So uh, no no tears for you, buddy. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Auburn wins. They had a great win. They... um, I don't know, I think it'll be one of those two teams, uh, maybe Georgia, that might go to the uh, the Sugar Bowl, because um, I imagine whoever wins the SEC is going to be in the playoffs and unavailable for the Sugar Bowl. Um, so, yeah, as far as, you know, the other games that, that happened and kind of set the stage for the playoffs, you know, the final spots, do you have any thoughts about the other games? Like, were you able to watch any of the... Ohio State, Michigan, or Wisconsin, Minnesota, or or any other games that were out there.
2: Um, we did not watch uh, Wisconsin, Michigan. Did watch Ohio, Minnesota. I mean, no, no. I just messed up the team. <laughs> we did not watch Wisconsin, Minnesota. Did watch Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, I think that I, you know, I don't know about Daniel. I think that Ohio State, Michigan, just further, uh, further. Proved to me that Ohio State is not as good as, as good as their build. They're still a very good team. Justin Fields is good. Uh, Chase Young is allegedly good. Uh, didn't show up. I didn't see him on Michigan. Uh, the Michigan game. Maybe he didn't make it on the bus. But, um, you know, I think, that, I think that they're beatable. And we need, to give them, we need to give them respect. And, like, when we play them, you know, we're going to have to come out and, and play our best ball. But I think that the the type of ball we played against A and M, the type of ball we played against Alabama, the type of ball we played against Florida, I think that that's the kind of stuff that um, you know we can play with anybody. So I think that uh, and and also you know Jim Harbaugh, I'm not a, not a huge fan of his, I'm not a huge fan of Shea Patterson, but uh, Shea Patterson shredded uh, Ohio State's defense in the first half. So. That's, you know, I think that's a good look for us when we come in, you know, when we potentially play Ohio State with, uh you know, a, a, with the elite uh, thrower that is Joe Burrow.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't really watch too many other games other than that. Tommy, I think you know where I kind of stand on Ohio State. I'm a little more high on them than you, I think. They definitely have a lot of threats, but they are, like you said, there are threats that can be neutralized with the right type of team, and we are that type of team because we have the same threats and more, really. And Just like you said, Shea Patterson showed that their secondary can get exposed. They got Jeff Okuda. Um, a lot of people say he's the number one corner in the country, apparently a top five pick according to Mel Kuiper right now. But just throw away from him. Throw to the other side. We got Justin Jefferson. We got uh, Jamar Chase i Marshall say this pull-down catches, so that's not too bad. And whether they're number one or number two I think we will be fine, although Clemson took care of business. I've been saying it a couple of weeks ago. Clemson looks like they're kind of back uh, after the slow start to the season, so they're really ramping up. It's not something you want to see considering their recent success in the playoff, but I guess they'll have to figure it out. Unless Virginia pulls off a miracle and shuts them down, then they're immediately out of the playoff consideration.
2: No, I think I think you're right. Clemson Clemson is the is a dangerous team. I think Clemson. I, I'm more scared of, now. I mean, you know, I I'm, I would be lying if I said that I'm not gonna. I don't think that Ohio State is Arkansas out here, you know. But I do think that the problem with with both of these teams, as we've said before, is they're just not tested the way that we are. And uh, Ohio State's a good team. Clemson's a good team. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was a lot more scared than I am now. But we've seen LSU. Uh, I, I don't think we. I don't even know. I don't know if we've seen LSU's best ball yet. So I'm. I'm. Let's go. You know. Let's get on to the playoffs. It's like what they say on the commercial. Who's in? I want to know who's in. I want to get. I want to get to. Uh, get to Tempe. Is that where it is? Tempe or Atlanta, for the uh, first playoff game.
0: Is it? Yeah. Tempe? I think it's. I think it's Glendale. Glendale. Glendale okay. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would. I would add to add to that. Uh, there was. There was someone that asked Dabo Swinney, about you know, this team's win, although it was, uh, who would they play? Clemson played, uh, I don't know, it was uh, South Carolina. You know, I, I think they would expected to win, but he was asking how big this win was, and he said, oh, it's huge, you know, which goes back to what we were saying earlier about uh Davis, when he feeling like Clemson was slighted because they haven't played anybody, which they, they haven't. Uh, I'm sorry, but you know they've been winning. They've been doing what they needed to do, and they're there. So we kind of really don't know who they are. I think that's why, you know, I I, I would partially agree with you, Tommy, that you know they might be scarier than Ohio State just because you know we don't really know what they're made of because uh, everyone that they everyone that they've faced has been uh, you know kind of subpar compared to everybody else. Um, but you know, I, I would think that's that's one thing he said too is. Uh, he's got one of the easier jobs coaching in America because, uh, you know, they, they haven't, they feel like they haven't been given that respect. So his team has this edge. They still have to prove themselves, but I don't know if that's enough to overcome something like LSU to where they've had four or five games where they had to prove themselves against some of the stiffest competition in America. And, you know, they came out on top. So uh, I I think that's, that holds more weight than, uh, you know, just being upset that you weren't given the rating you wanted. So I I think that plays into LSU's favor. So we'll see how the the ultimate rankings come out. It it wouldn't matter if LSU was two and Clemson was three or vice versa. But uh, it's looking like they're going to play each other. I don't know who's going to be four. That depends on what happens on, you know, championship weekend, next weekend. But uh, I would say that... It's going to be LSU probably against Clemson, and then whoever wins that game is going to play Ohio State in New Orleans, which you know, which is one of the the storylines we talked about. Joe Burrow playing his old school for the national title game, uh, you know, just a rematch of 2007. Yeah, exactly. And what's happened in those previous games, and it's not just LSU because LSU ran away with that one in 2007, kind of like Florida did when they played Ohio State. They 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 beat the heck out of them. Uh So I think that's what it's going to come down to is, you know, the committee saying, oh, Ohio State looks like the more complete team, but, you know, what's going to happen when they finally play a complete team? And, like and you know
2: what? I think another another X factor for Ohio State, just, just thinking about it, you know, ha- we haven't seen Ryan Day coach in a very, very consequential game yet.
0: He hasn't right? had to. He yeah. hasn't had
2: to. And so – you know, I, I guess the the biggest the biggest game he's ever coached in so far. But we, let's let's talk when we get to the playoff because I think coaching doesn't you know especially at, at this level coaching is going to make a difference. Um, and uh, he he you know he's a, this is his first year, and we saw Lincoln Riley. You know he was the darling coach two years ago with Baker Mayfield, Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback guru, looked on un- and. I mean, they kind of got embarrassed by Georgia, uh, you know, in uh, in their playoff game. So, you know, it's it's important to to uh, you got Ed, o- Ed Orgeron, he's been there before, you know, Dabo Sweeney's been there before, uh, you know, Kirby Smart, uh, well potentially he won't, you know, he won't be in, but uh, he's been there before, and then uh, Lincoln Riley's been in, he's been in the playoff, you know, a couple times before too. So. It, Ryan Day is kind of the guy who sticks out. Who's he's never really had to coach in a uh, in a very highly contested, you know, make or break, consequential game.
0: Yeah. Uh, Daniel, you got anything to to add to any of that? Any of that stew?
1: Uh, I mean, kind of not really. To be honest, I think we hit him hard with it this week. And obviously this is the the deciding factor. Championship week, it's it's very exciting across the board. Definitely some good football to be watched. So starting Saturday morning, I'm going to be glued to it and kind of ready for it to be over with to find out the the true postseason fate. But it'll be exciting for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, And there's a couple other uh, topics around college football I wanted to touch at. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't be another week that went by without some recruiting news. Uh, you know, which LSU had one? I think they had one decommitment, and, but I, I think they might have also had an add. Uh, Daniel, did you uh, did you have anything on the, the recruiting front that you wanted to add?
1: Uh, a couple tidbits. We lost, I think we, I'm not sure, I can't remember if we covered it last week or not, but we had two four-stars decommit from our 2020 class, and we picked up a 2023-star offensive guard, uh, Xavier Hill, out of Mississippi, which, I mean, it's kind of strange to think, like, why do we have four stars decommitting and three stars taking their spots when they're so valuable? But I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing, considering we really needed some offensive line. And so he's a decent pickup for them. So I think we have one spot now, unless somebody else drops. And so I think the the top targets we're still looking at, five-star Jordan Burch, uh, defensive end, um, five-star running back Zach Evans, who – actually just announced today that he will be committing on Wednesday, so watch out for that. It's Wednesday. Yes, in uh, three days. Although keep
2: in mind, I think he's given out commitment dates like three times already.
1: Yeah, that's true, but this one (laughs) seems pretty uh, pretty solid. And then uh, four-star offensive tackle uh, Marcus Dumerville out of Florida. So we may – some people might kind of come in and out, but those are kind of the last people we got. One tidbit I did want to mention is that Felipe Franks, former Florida quarterback – announced that he will not be returning to Florida next year, but he did not say whether he will be going to the NFL or transferring to another school. And because Felipe Franks notably committed to LSU in high school and then decommitted and went to Florida, so what if he came back? I don't know. And then also LSU posted a picture of Joe Burrow today and Houston quarterback De'Aaron King, who had been linked to some transfer rumors this year, commented the goat emoji on there. So... People thought that year King might be looking to come to LSU once Joe Burrow leaves this year, so that's something to watch out for as well, but I think that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, give, yeah. Me
2: King, give me King, pass on Franks.
1: <laughs> I think that's the correct take there.
2: And then also, yeah. uh, one thing to add on, Daniel, that, uh, that three-star offensive guard heard from an LSU insider. He may be three stars, but that's only because he's only played football since he was a junior in high school, and Nick Saban saw him at one camp after – like one in between his junior and senior year of football uh, first year ever playing and offered him right on the spot, so he he might be the kind of raw talent that uh that you know you don't have much game film on him, and that's why he's so uh, he's you know only a three star but he might be like a you know Mingo who never played football until his junior year of football or junior year of high school and then turned out to be a, a college star and then um one other thing is that I've heard. Uh, Matt Mascana talk, said it today and, and I've heard other people saying that uh, Duberville is a silent commit that he hasn't he hasn't said yet that he's coming so we'll, we might have to process someone else and then a lot of rumors are saying that, that Evans, of course we'll find out on Wednesday but I've heard Evans is coming
0: our way as well. That would be nice. That would be really nice. Yeah, I, I, I could care less if Franks wanted to come back. I, I doubt that, they, like why would they entertain that if he if he committed to us and then shunned them to, to go to Florida. I haven't heard we, that from
1: anywhere. That's just in my own mind. But yeah, <laughs> I, no, was like, yeah, I was no. like, what if that happened?
0: <laughs> I saw that and I thought there's no way he would be that silly to even reach out back out to LSU and say, so uh, forget about what happened. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, um, also,
2: it's like, so uh, y'all beat me uh, or y'all beat us. Would you like me to play for you now? <laughs>
0: yeah, Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and then uh, another, another little tidbit as uh, I think Matt Luke at Ole Miss is going oh, he's to be gone.
2: out. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it was announced while we were on air he, uh, he's okay. been fired.
0: Yeah. For, sorry for him. Uh, I know he probably had the best intentions but just couldn't turn it around. Uh, and they, they had a chance to, you know, uh, at least keep up with the Egg Bowl. They, they had a touchdown to almost tie it. All they needed was an extra point. Uh, but they missed that, and so Mississippi State won the Egg Bowl, and that was probably the last straw. Uh, I mean, it was probably in the bag before that, but losing like that is uh, it's not good in front of the alumni. But anyway, well, um, I don't
2: even think you know. I don't even think I think he could have lost the game and kept his job. I think it's that that player, the player going off and, and pretending to urinate in the style of a canine. Right you know, I think that that uh, Which cost them the extra yards cost, that made him cost them the game pretty much cost them the game and just embarrass you know embarrass the program i can see where it's like okay man you know you can lose in one losing a game is one thing you don't have a really good team but to for, to not even be able to like have your players mentally prepared for a game like that you know you're out let's let's move on
0: right yeah. Uh, I mean some some instances you would think uh you know the, the emotion might get to the player. Uh so it might not be on the coach, but at a you know if you've only got 3 or 4 wins on the season then everything goes back to you. I think at that point. Uh but anyway, I don't know if there are any other tidbits out there in in college football worlds, but uh I just wanted to see if you guys had any uh any final thoughts before we wrap this one and Head forward to the SEC championship game next weekend.
2: No, I think I think we're I think we pretty much covered it all. Let's uh, let's go get them in
0: Atlanta. Yeah, I agree, agree with that. that.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: All right. Uh, well, having said that, then we will uh, we will wrap things up here with Talking Tigs, and uh, we will look forward to next week where LSU is going to play the Georgia Bulldogs at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the game will be in Atlanta at the Mercedes Benz Stadium. Uh, one final thought uh, former Auburn Heisman Trophy winning quarterback uh, Pat Sullivan, uh, who uh, recently died. Uh, so I just wanted to give a, a shout out to him. He had a great career and a great legacy at Auburn. Uh, I'm sure that you probably remembered that this week, especially. But um, all eyes are looking forward to LSU in Georgia in Atlanta. And we will have that and more. Uh, come next weekend in our next edition of Talking Tigs. So have a good week and follow us next time on the Talking Tigs. Go Tigers!